everyone and welcome to the pod and the pendulum the show that covers all the horror movie franchises one movie in one episode at a time as always i'm your host mike snoonian and we couldn't leave we booked one more trip into saw city one more night you know we had those hotel points we had those travel (laughs) points we had to use them had to get those museum things in there was just so much to see in the city so much to do And we had our core four, the folks that have really been here for the bulk of this journey. And this week, we're going to kind of rank the franchise. We're going to rank what we saw here, because who doesn't love a good rankings episode? So joining us today from the Bodies of Horror episode, joining us today from the Bodies of Horror podcast, the show that looks at horror movies through the lens of disabilities. Ms. Nicole Goble. Nicole, how are we? I am doing great. Excited to uh, be once again in beautiful Saw City. Love having you back with us. We also have with us a man who loves ranking this franchise so much. And I would strongly encourage listeners to go and listen to his saw rankings episode as well on the specter cinema club because it is chaos it is a super fun (laughs) listen um i'm about halfway through it i'm just into the top five now uh and it's a wildly different ranking from ours but uh, along with his co-host garrett i think it was blaine and audrey a special guest uh mr devon taylor is back because he just loves ranking this franchise devon how are we Hello, hello. I mean, you can saw my heart out, but you can't take my heart out of Saw City, you know? I mean, uh, the, the the lists are so different. That is why I was like, okay, no, I do need to do the Pot and Pendulum one as well, because like the lists are so different. It is uh, fantastic. And yeah, I mean, Saw Season has been a long and fruitful one. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to uh, close this one out with uh, y'all. You're here to defend some of your faves, I think, because I think you have like some different taste than the rest of us so you're here to like offer up a a a hearty defense of your your main man hoffman and i think like he's going to end up near the top of some of these because like of of your passion for this man hey if that's what i'm here to do i was like i was looking at the rankings i was like my my attempts to shake up this list, uh, you know, with with Hoffman in there being a a rascal as usual, you know, I mean, it's again, I've been uh, uh, I've become just the the biggest Hoffman stand on on Twitter, I believe. So so, yeah, uh, Secretary of Hoffman Affairs, I'm here. We're ready to go. (laughs) I'll say this. You brought me around in him to the point where I was very excited for his cameo in Saw 10. I did get excited for everybody's favorite chonky adult son. Which made my heart full listening to that episode. That was was very exciting. I brought him around. That was really exciting 
to see him there for that. And I would not have gotten through two hours of leaf blowing if it wasn't for like, I've listened to the first like two thirds of your episode. Uh, that is literally what got me through two hours of yard work. Cause I am famously lazy uh, when it comes to doing anything in the yard. So I appreciate that. Of course. Also joining us today, she has been uh, in the co-host chair for every single trip to Saw City. She has like done the research. She, you know, is is just couldn't have done this series without her. I think this, I think we, I think we did it. I think we really nailed it. Um, could have done this without her. Miss Ario Powershop from Ghouls Magazine. Ario, how are we? I'm doing great. I'm coming at you live from the original bathroom. It's kind of gross in here, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned enough to find my way out. Excellent. Are you chained to anything? No, he forgot to chain uh, me. So I think I'm just going to walk out the door into the sunlight. Excellent. Folks. Yeah. There you go. He's Fair slipping. Enough. He's definitely, John Kramer is definitely slipping in his old age there. So all right. Does everybody have the rankings up? Does everybody have like the list up? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. So this is really easy. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to count down from 10 to one and we're just going to uh, go through. Everybody kind of gave uh, their least to favorite saw rankings and we just numbered them like last place got one point. First place got 10 points. Super easy. There were no ties in this, so no real controversies here. We didn't have to do uh, any sort of like tie-breaking system, uh, although there were a couple entries within one point of one another. So um, there was no uh, books that were cooked or anything like that at all. And uh, yeah, we'll start with number 10. And Ariel, would you do us the honors and say what came in at finished dead last in our saw rankings dead last in our rankings but not dead last in our hearts saw seven aka saw the final chapter aka saw 3d yeah the movie with three titles (laughs) could barely manage more than three points um (laughs) it got 15 total points out of a possible 60 or 70 um one last place vote. So it only came in last on one person's ballot, but it was four next to last place votes. Basically, there was no love for skater boy John Kramer on this one. Nobody wanted to see him grinding rails. No one wanted to see him doing karaoke to Avril Lavigne songs. I will stop beating that analogy to the ground. So I'll ask, what about this one doesn't work why is this one dead last i mean i think it's because it looks the cheapest out of any of the entries that's my my biggest hang up with it because like yeah i i have it towards the bottom of my list it's not at dead last for me just because i also find it very funny and it does have a few good traps in it but like the biggest detractor is it just looks cheap and uh and and i would have been fine with dr gordon being revealed to be uh, the one running the game, but then they take it a step further and they're like, no, he's been here behind the scenes the whole time. And like, uh, I, and I'm just like, eh, at that point, I was just like, like, it, like, you know, going six movies without him, And then all of a sudden, you know, it just, uh, 
kind of, kind of didn't work for me as hard. So, you know, Dr. Gordon isn't my favorite apprentice by any means. And um, yeah, I just wish the movie looked better. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels rushed because it was rushed and that you can feel that. So. Yeah. It's two movies kind of smashed together, isn't it? Like it was supposed yeah. to be like a two part finale in order to kind of bring the series to a close, but after part six kind of does half of what part four and part five do, they decide to like, we're going to end things now. And it's not like six loses money or isn't successful. It's just like in true Hollywood fashion, it just doesn't make as much money as the other entries, despite being yeah. like a really good entry. So they decide like, oh, well, now is when we're going to walk away. Well, I, I don't, I don't dislike any of the Saw films, mm-hmm. um, but I think that this one just feels like it has the, the, and this is going to sound strange, talking about the Saw franchise, uh, famously known for its intricate and deep storytelling, but I feel like this one just doesn't, there isn't kind of this narrative through line that's as strong in the other films. It just feels like the characters are kind of uh, more weak um, than the characters that we are introduced in the other entries. Uh, We don't really get to know that much about them. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. It just just feels a little bit overall half-baked. Yeah. Like Bobby is an interesting character and mm-hmm. like he, the, his story is interesting. This idea of a guy who hears about the jigsaw murders and decides to like capitalize on them by saying, Oh, I survived one of his traps and writes a tell all book about it. And then achieves fame, variety and riches from it. And then gets put in a jigsaw trap. Like that's a pretty fascinating story. But it feels completely disconnected from the rest of it, which you have like Detective Gibson in some of the worst acting you'll ever see. And I think we said, you know, like, Jill, you're crazy. Like just the way he would say crazy. Are you crazy? (laughs) Over and over again. And what's supposed to be the final showdown between Jill and Hoffman feels really underwhelming. And even like once... Jill is murdered in like the reverse bear trap. Like when you finally see this thing pay off after like seven movies of it being teased, when it finally pays off and you have this character you've been with for like four movies now, it just quickly moves on and you don't even get a moment to kind of sit with this major character death. Everything feels really, really rushed. And I think to Devon's point, it does feel like very, very cheap. Like this, the 3D mm-hmm. of it all. Uh, Kevin Grutier came back to direct after doing a great job with part six. He was supposed to move on to paranormal activity. They used the contractual obligation to make him direct this movie. And you feel that here. Like he definitely has that like big clerks. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Energy <laughs> that really comes through. Yeah. But it's not all bad, right? Like, what are some things that work in this movie? What are the things that you guys, 
like you said, Nicole, like there are things to like about this movie. Like you don't hate any of the Saw films. Something just had to be last. What do you like about it? Well, we get the return of my man, Dr. Gordon, um, which I would, I love that little twist um, of him being involved, learning a little bit more about what happened to him. Um, I liked the bits that we do have with Hoffman. Hoffman has not been my favorite, um, but I I feel like he's much more interesting. I think in this kind of in in this uh, entry. So um, it also has I think my overall favorite saw trap. Okay, hold that thought for just a couple minutes. I mean, what about Hoff- yourself? Hoffman's rampage uh, definitely is super fun. I mean, I mean him with his ripped face too. I mean, like, how do you look hotter with less face? Like, I don't know. You know, he somehow <laughs> does it though. So uh, his final rampage is fun. Uh, Jill Tuck is uh, holding it down as well. So like, uh, yes. Hoffman, Hoffman and Jill uh, definitely are like the saving graces uh, for me uh, in this one, and and uh, as well as a couple of the traps as well. I like the twist. I know it's silly and bananas and I just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the twist would have worked better if they didn't start the movie. Like if they made a couple different choices in editing, like if you introduce Dr. Gordon and then show him getting like kind of healed by Kramer, like when you start the movie with mm-hmm. that, you kind of know he's coming back. Right. I mean, I, you know, I never guess anything. I am the most naive, gullible person on this pod, so I never see anything coming. So really? that's probably yeah, that's like half the reason I love these movies is because I'm surprised by everything. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I like Hoffman in this one. I think his rampage is like very terminal. Like when he comes out of the body bag in the oh, it's very that, that's pretty awesome. Like open, like very Jason Voorhees like, like that's pretty awesome. Um it's pretty again i am all for the all cops are stupid through line that runs through all of these movies like they're like saw city man just hires like the absolute dumbest cops like in the world like it's it's incredible how bad they how just incredibly unintelligent they are so best trap in this one nicole you hinted at it like what is your favorite trap in this one the opening Mm -hmm. um it's it's so different from what we've seen from the other traps. It is fucking petty. Um and I I love just how ridiculous and vicious it is. Um again, kind of speaks to an element of why the film overall doesn't work for me. It's just everything feels really disconnected. We never really get a sense of what these two guys have necessarily done um, outside of, you know, kind of get played. Um, so I, I don't know. I, but I just love that we're, we're in a different location. We have an audience, which I think is so wild that you just have all of these spectators. Mm-hmm. Yep. People going on their way to work and it's like, oh, look, 
what's this? It's a trap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you this, have the Admiral Akbar? Because we're not on, we're, <laughs> oh. we're not recording on. Maybe so sad that we're not recording on Zencaster today. I miss it. Funny. I miss Admiral Akbar so much right now. I might be able to make some magic happen. Um, uh, for me, this has my second favorite trap of the entire series, uh, which is uh, the Circle of Silence. Um, it's a it's a big like gaudy trap. Like I mean, this really shows off again John's prolific engineering prowess. Um, but because it, it's like it's just big, it, it, you have all these metal bars. It's got the the sound um, uh, receptors on it to like do it. But then it's like for how big it is, the the pain is like a little tiny thing. It's just like this. And but it's one of those ones you can imagine, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes uh, some of the best uh, saw traps is like because some of them you're like, I would never be in this situation. But like mm-hmm. know, you're just like when you're fishing, you're like, oh, what if I swallowed this hook? Like, what would that be like? Uh, you can imagine that in this one. And um, also just uh, has one of my favorite uh, line deliveries of after uh after she dies and bobby just going why wouldn't you just shut the fuck up is is <laughs> so funny uh because again saw seven is actually really funny so mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of the circle of silence. Yeah. yeah and then you have the car trap where it's just, just like i'm killing you because you're a bunch of nazis like there you go like all right john we're with you on this one and it's yeah. also like a really gnarly practical effect as well it really works <laughs> yeah should we move on to number nine? All right. Number nine, Devon, do you want to introduce our ninth entry? I do. I was so surprised to see it this low because I remember our conversation on it. I was like, okay. I was like, we're all kind of uh, uh, coming around on this one. But uh, here at number nine is Saw 5. Um, again, this is a spotlight for my boy Hoffman. Uh, I have this ranked pretty high. This is yeah. the one that is uh shot the highest up my list whenever on this like most recent rewatch um it just because again like this is uh we get like these spy versus spy vibes with uh strom and hoffman and then um and i think that the the fatal five though maybe the characters aren't the best i think the game itself and like what it represents Mm -hmm. is kind of the best interpretation on john's philosophy Mm -hmm. hoffman uh Oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You finished that thought. Um, uh, I think it's uh, the best interpretation of John's philosophy because Hoffman kind of introduces uh, his kind of kink with uh, the Saw movies is he likes people to make choices. You know, he, he mm-hmm. to choose uh, the things and, and also um, about like, in, uh, but he still keeps in the spirit of like inflicting pain on yourself. But like the whole thing with the fatal five is like, they all could have survived every single one of these. If they just would have thought a little bit more, if they weren't mm-hmm. so fish, if they weren't so quick to be at each other's throats, like literally they all could have survived every single one. And mm-hmm. like, and I think like that's kind of like if we're going to take anything from John's philosophy where you're like, Oh yeah, he's kind of got a point. I think in this one, it's like, yeah, like you, you kind of made a really good point and he gets the win. He fucking kills Strom in the end and he gets the win. So uh, I, I, I love Saw 5. Yeah, it you, I think, kept this from last place because it gets 26 points. It had two last place finishes. You had it at third place like you gave this a solid eight points. So you might have kept this out of last place um wild 
wild. It's pretty wild that it's well, actually doing the math in my head, it may have still been in the same spot, but you gave it like a pretty good distance from last place. Like it's in like when you get to like nine, eight and seven, there's only like three points that separate those rankings. Like they're pretty close to one another. It could have gone. You really could almost swap them out. Um, It's just like a point here or there. And they're pretty much swapped out. Um, What else is there to like about it? We're talking about some of the positive things first. So what else do we like about Saw 5? I love that it's a good one for deepening the lore and like uh, just getting the, the, the plot really thickens because you know, in the fourth movie, we figure out that Hoffman's involved. And so in the fifth movie, we really get to see him doing his thing. And um, yeah, I it shows us some backstory with John Kramer. So I appreciate it for that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I like that we get more of that backstory, especially with Hoffman. Um, and I think that it is, I know that when we've talked about it, this really being uh, a centerpiece kind of of the second trilogy within kind of the Saw franchise. So I do like it because I think the characters seem a little bit more uh, developed and the traps are, you know, they, I think as the person who's always concerned with the integrity of the traps how they're functioning the ability to actually create them um this isn't john at and and his accomplices at what i like to see kind of their most scrappy um it's they're they're i I think they're kind of fun traps and i like seeing people have to move through them as kind of a team Mm -hmm. um so I, I like when a, a film, when one of the films kind of centers on that. So, yeah. So why do we think this one ranked so low then? Why did this one maybe go towards the bottom of the rankings? I mean, as we've seen with, I mean, not only our panel, but uh, the special guests that come along as well as like uh, Hoffman is kind of a deal breaker in uh, in the back half of those movies. It it all depends on how you do if you're into Hoffman or you're not like this is the first one where he is kind of the front and center villain, you know, in the fourth one, he's not revealed till the end. Um, so uh, he's kind of the he's kind of the make or break. So I feel like that's the reason that, you know, some people might not have this as high. And for me personally, the only reason that it's not even higher potentially um, is because it's uh, the least visually interesting. Um, maybe not the least visually interesting, um, but it's pretty low uh, down on the on the aesthetics ranking. Like we, we don't have as much of the saturated colors, um, uh, the some of the traps um are fine but they aren't as visually pleasing as some of the other traps so like overall i think that's uh, the biggest detractor for this is it um it just uh, doesn't have enough style to it yeah you can tell from that opening shot like mm-hmm. i know that like darren lynn bousman didn't direct the first saw that's like james one but like bousman continued the aesthetic of one and i think he went a long way to kind of establishing like the visual language of saw 
And I think it was really good to have that consistency in those, those first four movies in terms of how the films looked. And then you have Kevin Grutier editing them. So you have a very specific style. And I remember it's because I binge these movies. I'm watching them like back to back to back. When I put in part five, just from that opening shot, I'm like, oh, somebody else directed this movie. And like David Hackle definitely had like a different color palette, a different look. It loses some of that grainy texture to it. And a little Mm -hmm. bit of that grime comes off it. And it definitely, I think that's when it starts to kind of go downhill a little bit for me is when it starts to lose some of that texture that it's established. And, you know, no shade on David Hackle at all. It just, it feels a little bit different at that point. Mm -hmm. the other thing too is like when the games are disconnected from the rest of the movie I feel less invested in them and I think that's a big problem here I love Julie Benz like I think she's very good in Dexter but I really enjoy her as Darla in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Mm -hmm. uh, it's spinoff Angel I think she's like fantastic as that character always enjoy seeing her i think the biggest crime in this movie is the wig they put her in i think her and shawnee smith could do a whole side podcast like the terrible wigs <laughs> of saw uh and you know they would do fantastic i would um, listen if would it's listen. a bad wig it must be saw like just, oh absolutely <laughs> but like the games here they're not really connected to anything else going on in the movie they're like just a diversion so it's kind of difficult to get invested yes, in terms of what's going on, right? That's how I feel. I, the traps are cool, but I'm really not invested in, in the story of the Fatal Five. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's something with especially the later entries of the franchise. It feels like there is this struggle between is our focus going to be on knitting everything together having a really kind of cohesive movie where all the bits and pieces truly fit and kind of play within each other or it's a saw film we have to have traps but Mm -hmm. we really need to go further into john and his background or we need to develop this character because he's going to be going on further and it can't it they sometimes just don't connect the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. If, if there's something that I would that I would have wanted out of Hoffman's arc is, yeah, he, he never had a, a, a game that he just like got to focus on just doing and executing and like watching it play out. He's always yeah. on the run. He's trying to cover his ass. He's killing people on the side. So like he, he's, he's never really gets the chance to like just like, you know, focus on the game. Uh, he's always uh, got other shit going on. Yeah. Well, and I True. think to that to that point, I I think why seven works better with him is that he does just seem to have so much more of a personality in that one to where because he's kind of you know uh doing all of these things behind the scenes he he's just kind of a a lurky um dude 
He, he's out yeah. in seven. He comes out in seven. He goes, ah, I'm a jigsaw. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Instead of having to, you know, uh, try to hide the fact that like, cause yeah. that's what he's doing in five and six. He's trying to cover his tracks that he's not doing jigsaw stuff. But then in seven, he's just like, yes, I'm jigsaw, baby. <laughs> it right. kind of ruins the end of part four too. Like part four has a great like exclamation point of an ending when like, uh strom like stumbles upon jeff shoots jeff dead in cold blood like jeff is like give me back my daughter and strom is like i'll give you a belly full of lead instead and then strom gets like shut into you know the operating room and that's kind of like a nice mirror to the end of the first movie and then part five opens and he's like oh look like a trap door and then just like (laughs) exits the room that's kind of anticlimactic. Like that's like, oh, uh, that's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, you, I don't know. Like just kind of feels like it's like when the theater tech like forgets to like turn the lights down and you just like see an awkward stage hand just like yeah. taking something off the side. Like it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. And the stage hand freezes behind the curtain, you know, exactly. It's exactly that. Yeah. It's just kind of. I don't know. That's that's kind of how I felt. But what about what are the best traps in this movie? Like, what are your picks for the best trap? I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be the 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 glass coffin room. I mean, uh, the whole final final showdown between Strom and Hoffman. You know, they're just throwing hands, and then and it, the, that's also one thing that doesn't make sense. Is five is like Hoffman. Uh, he's he's also a bad actor. Um, so like when he's doing the, when he's like on the voice recorder and he's like, oh yeah, you have to learn to, you have to learn to take my words, Strom. It's like, wait, why would he ever take your word? So it's like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but however, I'm happy it happens the way it does that Strom obviously doesn't trust Hoffman, you know, throws him in the glass coffin. And then we get the, uh, the head tilt, uh, from Hoffman in the, in the glass coffin as yeah. Strom is just, uh, smashed, uh, to pieces. Like when his forearm snaps. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty fun ending. It's a great ending for sure. Yeah. So and it's, least- such, it's so gushy too. Yeah. Like, it's just so gushy with, with the smash. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I also want to, like- Sorry, go ahead. Say, like, have you learned to trust me yet? He's like, uh, 48 hours ago, you had me (laughs) trapped in like this thing that was going to drown me. Like, (laughs) why would I learn to trust you yet? Like, no, we haven't even done trust falls yet. Like, (laughs) it's going to take some time. What were you going to say, Ariel? Yeah, I wanted to shout out the 10 pints of sacrifice because we get a gnarly cut in half arm. So I like that. Yeah. Do you think that trap would have been better if Creed's My Sacrifice played in the background? <laughs> Absolutely not. And I'm offended that you asked. Wow. <laughs> I of have strong all, feelings towards Creed. Of all the things I've said on the show, <laughs> that's what offends you. All right. That's where I draw the line. Well, speaking of offensive, let's move to number eight. Ariel, can you read our number eight pick? I can. Um, so... This one is high up on my list, but not on others. This one is Jigsaw. The eighth movie is also our eighth pick. Yeah. So this one edged out five by a single point. And I did add them up twice. I counted twice just to make sure. It had 27 total points. Uh, Two last place points 
but Ariel saved it from ninth place with her fourth place ranking. Rachel had it as high as third place. Otherwise, again, this might one might have been much closer to the bottom. So we'll start, I guess, with like, why is this one closer to the bottom than the top of the lists? And I'll just say that for me, it is the twist doesn't really work for me. Um, the fact that like the Logan, like I can't even remember the yeah, guy's name. Logan. Like Logan, he's kind of boring. And I think by this point, like I'm kind of over like, oh, it's another apprentice. Um, you know, you kind of get to the impression at this point, like John is just kind of like going to temp agencies and he's <laughs> and they're like, what do you need? He's like, I kind of need someone to help build murder traps. And these temp agencies are like, we have just the person for you. And that's where he's getting these apprentices because there's just so many of them. Um, also, like the Speary brothers don't seem to know what makes a Saw movie work. They're like, let's make it look really, really clean. And let's make it not very gory and not very scary. And that's what we'll do to bring this franchise back after seven years. And that doesn't quite work for me. So that's why I kind of had it closer to the bottom of my list. What about y'all? What do you think? I mean, yeah, the thing I actually, the, the visual aesthetic doesn't bother me too much because when you do think about it, it's like, oh yeah, it's a prequel. So it's like, it's before the dirt got there. You know, this is uh, whenever, uh, you know, this was, uh, this, this is the startup phase apparently. And, uh, and, and yeah, Logan, uh, he sucks. He's a, he's definitely the worst uh, disciple apprentice. Um, and, you know, and sometimes your first hire doesn't go that well, you know, because apparently mm. he was uh, the one that helped John make the bear trap. I, I rolled my eyes so hard at that. I was like, mm -hmm. no, you can't give that to this guy. Um, but um, I think the murder barn is a fun setting. Uh, I call this uh, Jigsaw's Yeehaw. Um, and, um, it, you know, so uh, it did kind of fall to the bottom of my list on this rewatch because I used to be a jigsaw defender. Yeah, you have this as last like this is your dead last. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it's it's the least gory by a mile. Um, and it, it just doesn't it doesn't have the sauce like, you know, like uh, some of the act actors are uh, fun and interesting. Um, I think uh, I think I'm one of the few people that I think this ensemble for the group game actually kind of works for me um but um but yeah um it, uh, it at the end of the day it just uh there's just uh there's there's some magic missing here i don't you know you can't really put your finger on it just uh, uh it doesn't quite have that 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 saw magic to it i don't know yeah i think my biggest qualm is just logan he has nothing to offer um so it's such a drag because I do think that there are some really interesting ideas and set pieces um, that are introduced. I like uh, Eleanor's kind of shrine to two jigs. I think that that's really special. Um, but I think there could have been a thousand better ways to utilize that and implement it as an an actual red herring. Um, and I do like the character of Eleanor. I think she's kind of fun. Um, I like that she she brings the quips. Um, and because I do miss my babe, 
Jill so terribly much. I'm glad to have a little bit of a little bit of beauty um, on my screen. Um, and some of the traps, I think, are uh, I agree with what Devon said. I, I honestly really love the setting of the barn. I love that it's kind of like a, a haunted house almost like you move mm-hmm. through little room through room. Um, and I like how simple the challenges are um, as well. So I, um, I I think there's quite a bit to actually really like in Jigsaw. It's just Logan is an absolute killjoy. And Ariel, you have this higher than most. Mm-hmm. What um, do you enjoy about this one? I love the twist. I mean, you guys know I'm a sucker for a twist. Um, Logan, I guess it's a good point. He's not the most interesting character, but um, the reveal at the end that this is all happening on a different timeline, I really should have seen that coming, you know, eight movies in, but I didn't. And I really like that. I would have liked, you know, because Logan is new. You can't like retroactively put him into the seven movies before that. But like you never because you never hear of him again, mm-hmm. you don't know what like what has happened to him. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of like what is disappointing. Like, did he just like do this game and then like he got it out of his system mm-hmm. and then he's all done? Like, you don't know what happened or this. I guess this game kind of happens after everything else has gone down like this, I mm-hmm. guess, takes place in between like Saw 7 in spiral if we're being kind of like looking at the timeline like that's when everything mm-hmm. really takes place um i do hear what everyone's saying about eleanor like i think she's kind of lovely and i do like this idea of adding this person that is obsessed with jigsaw but not mm-hmm. in a way that where they want to become an apprentice but in this way that they want to like read up or listen up or watch like every documentary about them and like obsessively study them to the point where they're like, I'm going to recreate this trap in this expensive, cool loft that I have um, in my uh, really cool bungalow. I don't think that would be illegal to make. Like, is there like, why would that be illegal to make? How is this a crime? That's what I say. That's, you know, is her crime being too beautiful for Saw City? Like, is that is her crime being too good at her job and putting up with the sexist bullshit all the time? Possibly. But Jigsaw doesn't target cops. Ah, remember. (laughs) Yeah. Famous Um, famous police advocate, John Kramer. I do love as bad as Saw City is. They still manage to take digs at Cleveland, like cheap shots at how shitty Cleveland is. So. Mm Um, was fun to get like Tobin Bell back on screen mm-hmm. after seven movies. Um, you do get some of the quips like your key to your freedom is right here, and the keys are in the shotgun shell. So, he's so bullshit. Like, yeah, like so John, talk but... about that, Devon. You've talked about this elsewhere. Talk about why this is bullshit. Oh, it's it's just like this is like again like uh he you know the he's workshopping things here you know so he's like okay like. I got to, how can I give him the answer, but not give him the answer? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, he, he's figuring, and it's just like, nobody would have thought that John uh, with the, you know, the shotgun, like no one would have thought, Oh, Hey, maybe the keys are in the gun. Um, yeah. You know? So it's um uh, again, it's, I, I, it's a, 
fun display of uh kind of you know john's uh um, personality a little bit yeah. but um uh I, I like the bucket head trap i think it just uh it looks cool like it's just like yeah. it, it looks really cool uh, i uh, uh some uh, a lot of my favorite traps involve chains so like when mm -hmm. you're dragging somebody with a chain i'm a happy camper uh and it and it uh, kind of looks cool but then it's uh kind of like a a call back to a uh, um uh pound of flesh where it's like oh no now you don't have to like give the most blood it's like oh you can just like nick yourself eh, yeah up, just a little bit through yeah so yeah i like that trap too uh it's very simple it's easy to survive but psychologically it's still pretty difficult to want to like go through it you know you still have to willingly stick your arm on a, a very fast moving saw blade. Mm -hmm. That's still a pretty difficult thing to do. Um, but I do like the simplicity and the cool look of that blade. Anything else on Jigsaw before we move on? I like the laser collar. I know it's CGI. I don't yeah. care. I think it's sweet. <laughs> yeah, uh, and coming a year, like it's very like Demogorgon from Stranger yeah. Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I do love Eleanor. Uh, I want I want uh, her to date me. Um, and she would love the shirt that I'm wearing right now. Uh, no, this is a audio medium. But for my co host, uh, hot girls love saw. Um, yeah, you got it. I did get it. Uh, so yeah, Eleanor, uh, I think would rock this shirt too. Absolutely. Excellent. Shooting your shot right here in the show. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, Devon, do you want to take number seven for us? Yeah, so this one only got a couple more points than Jigsaw. Um, again, this is a one that I kind of have a little bit higher. I've come around to over time, which is uh, Saw 4. This is uh, the, the bridge movie between the two trilogies, uh, kind of like the victory lap for Darren Lynn Bowsman for me. And um, uh, the, the main thing is one. Uh, this is uh, the hottest movie as far as uh, we got rigs in the in the front seat of this one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and our blank, too. Like this is uh, so we so we got the hotties in here, but it's also the most like visually interesting entry of the series for me. Like the, the colors are gorgeous. Uh, we have all all those transitions, you know, uh, which are just super fun. I think we get the most of them in this one um, with the, like the crazy like uh, throwing somebody through a mirror into another room. Uh, it's just like, wait, what? What was that? Uh, it, it's super fun. And um, so I like this is, um, it, 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 but it, does, it, it might not have the weight to it though, just because one, um, the reasoning for Riggs going through it is kind of like, uh, come on, he's too good at his job. Um, like, right. what, what's going on here? Um, so like that, that kind of doesn't work. And um, and so like it and, and it doesn't quite have like a, even though he's like on like a 90 minute timer, it doesn't have like the sense of urgency to it that, you know, that it, it could have like we could we could kind of be moving a little bit faster through this movie. Uh, it feel it feels long like this feels like the longest of the series somehow. Mm -hmm. Hmm. But we do get introduction to Hoffman uh, gagging himself in the chair, which is uh, I mean, mm, uh, the, the, again, just a very good looking scene in general, the way that they kind of frame uh, that that ice block trap. So um, so, yeah, so that that's pretty much why I had it maybe a little bit higher than everyone else, um, just because I, I think it's the best looking saw film. Yeah. So you think this is the peak of like where. Because the last one that Bousman does until Spiral, um, and it's kind of the peak of the aesthetic of it. It's when all of those things, the traps, the look, 
Yeah, I, I said it. Uh, I, I, I can't remember if it was in the Saw 3 or 4 episode, but I think Darren Lynn Bowsman does make the best looking Saw movies. Like, yeah. I think he has the best uh, visual aesthetic as far as like matching not a, only it looking dirty, mm-hmm. but like looking really beautiful also like, in a weird mm-hmm. way. So, like, I mean, three, four, and Spiral, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I think are the three yeah. best looking Saw films. Yeah. Nicole, I know, like, given the caveat, that like you like all the Saw movies. You still had mm-hmm. this as the lowest of anyone. Like you had this right one from the bottom. Was there anywhere yeah. like what? Why is this lower in your in your opinion? Uh, I feel that it's it just feels very transitional. Um, between like we talked about those two trilogies. Um, this just feels like a big setup movie. Um, so that said, this was a really hard one to rank because I do really, really like this one. And I find myself liking it more each time I go back and watch it because I think that the traps are, are kind of cool and a couple of them are pretty scrappy, um, which is my, my aesthetic my my go-to with the traps um and two of the characters that i absolutely hate the most die in some pretty great ways um so that makes me very very happy i also really like though that we really get a bit more of that jigsaw backstory um Mm -hmm. where we understand kind of what his origins were because we had only gotten little flickers of that leading up to this things that we had to knit together and so i like that it's a little bit more explicit we find out more about jill anytime with jill is good time so um yeah i think there's a lot to like I just feel that um, it, I don't know, it just feels like a setup movie. There's a lot happening, but it's just to further kind of provide momentum for the, mm-hmm. the upcoming yeah. entries. What about you, Ari? What works for you in this one? Because I think you have yeah. this kind of like right in the high. middle, like right, right in the top half like the yeah. lower part of the top half um i like this one i like the first time i watched it the feeling throughout of who's doing this you know like who is jigsaw in this one i think that was really exciting and um i again i'm a broken record but i love the twist at the end mm-hmm. that it's hoffman and the shot where he's getting up while rig is on the floor listening to the tape mirrors the end of the first movie so well it just makes me really happy every time so um i think especially how the opening scene or like the scene at the autopsy table is sort of like it flips your perspective by the end of the movie so i think it's really clever yeah i think this is a the two really excellent twists in this movie uh, the first mm-hmm. twist, obviously, is that like it's Hoffman that is pulling <laughs> the strings in this 
The other is that you find out that part four is occurring cool concurrent to part three. Yes, I, I, I love it. it. It's my favorite twist of the series too. Yeah. Like uh, I'm a sucker for um whenever you like you know because when you're you know get so many entries into a franchise you gotta have like other ways to kind of switch up the formula as well Mm -hmm. um funny enough though that paranormal activity copied this like literally like two years later doing it with two um but i'm still a sucker for it so yeah whenever it's just like this is going on uh literally at the same time as three is a super fun um and like uh you might say like it doesn't make sense like why would you do that and it's just like because it's fun and cool that's why we do it and that's why we're yeah for saw yeah uh, and so, I'm, yeah, I love I'm surprised others don't do this just as a way to kind of shake things up a little bit i think we often go like well let's just do a straightforward prequel or mm-hmm. you know now like the requel has become all of the rage where it's like hey we'll ignore all of the chapters in the middle and we'll say like this takes place like after the first movie but everything that's happened in between is no longer canon it's like some Mm -hmm. sort of alternative timeline i like this idea of like well this is going to occur concurrent to it like i can see that Mm kind of like blowing blowing a lot of minds here obviously what i like about this movie is you get rid of you get rid of Donnie Wahlberg once and for all uh, in absolutely dramatic fashion. Um, I'd say pour one out for D- Detective Matthews, but I wouldn't want to waste good liquid. Um, Riggs is pretty great. You know, I actually like really enjoy Riggs. You know, his his crime uh, in Jigsaw's eye is he cares too much, which once again, you know, great John Kramer's logic in his reasoning is not uh always the best is kind of like it's philosophy moral philosophy is bullshit um and the other thing is like the opening of this movie is fantastic because you end Mm -hmm. with three and it ends with what we all believe is john kramer's death in pretty gruesome fashion but you go to like well soft forest coming out you know we've seen horror movies like Freddie comes back. Jason comes back. Michael Myers survived his head being chopped off by Lori. The villains always come back and you're like, nope, like we're going to have a really graphic autopsy in the first five minutes of this movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the producers would tell you like, we regret doing this. We never should have killed off John. It kind of like boxed them in in later entries, but it still takes a fair amount of courage to take your main villain and spend the first part of your fourth movie after the third one made all of the money and definitively do an autopsy for five minutes and be like, he's dead. He's (laughs) not coming back. Like that takes a lot of courage to do that. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Saw saw four is um, a lot of the time when you're saying, yeah, why are we doing this? But like, Software is also the why not movie. Mm-hmm. They go, you know, why not? Like, yeah. you know, why not make it a cycle? Why not open mm-hmm. autopsy? Yeah. And I think that's why, like, some of the traps are like probably the nastiest of the yeah. series as well. Like, I mean, I think really like this is like a like overall great collection of traps. Yeah. Um, favorite being the eye gouge one. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna ask Ariel, do you have a favorite trap in this one? Like, do you have one or one that really stands out? 
I love the ice black trap. I love and you know, it explodes his head. It's so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just the fact that you kept him around for that many movies for that. Like you think <laughs> he's all- dead in the second, you think he's dead in the third. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, you know, it's kind of like it's the anticipation of waiting for Detective Matthews to die on screen is all the sweeter when it happens. <laughs> it is a pretty awesome death. Yeah, it's it's a cool trap. And I like that like when he like is like, ah, fuck this and jumps off the block. The uh, lawyer yeah. like just gets up and it's like just just puts him back on. <laughs> But also gives him a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Should we move on to our next pick? Let's. All right. Uh, Nicole, can you do our number six? Yes. Our number six is second entry in the franchise, Saw 2. Yeah. So this came in as high as number two. And as low as number 10. So this one was the one that had um, really like the biggest gap in terms of like where it ranked within our panel. And it had 33 points altogether. So it had a little bit of a gap between this one and uh, the others we just talked to. Uh, What about it stands out? It's kind of a fan favorite. Like I think when you talk to the fans of the series people really like this one what about this one nicole like you have this as your second favorite in the series yeah what about it like do you think stands out why do you love this entry so much i really like this entry especially i mean i i really view to as really being integral as the center of the trilogy of one, two, and three. And I like that we, I just feel like our, our characters that we're following are a little bit more interesting than what we get later. Um, we don't have to learn a ton about them, but we, we can have a little bit of fun uh, following them through the house. Again, we have kind of, the, the haunted house room by room, area by area. Um, and it's nice that we have uh, a focus on Amanda. And I think the reveal that she is an accomplice, um, you know, after she was put in a trap, um, I think is, is a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we love Amanda. She, mm-hmm. I think, is as much of a heart to the franchise as John is. And I really like spending a lot of time with her and seeing how she how she works with this group of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This really establishes Amanda kind of as like one of the beating hearts of the series, right? I mean, this really, she, there's a yeah. reason why she's a fan favorite. I think there's a reason why people are so excited. She was back this year uh, in Saw 10. And I think it's what we see here. This really establishes her as the character. 
Uh, I think you're definitely right with that. What else about this entry works? Like what else really stands out about this one? This is personally my favorite um, Tobin Bell performance because mm -hmm. Sassy John is my favorite John. <laughs> um, so like him, like literally like, you know, eating this entire movie, sitting in a chair, you know, sipping on water, you know, eating soup uh, is just so fun. And like, I mean, he just like, it's just like, he just burns Detective Matthews over and over and over again. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's so fun to watch. So like, this is my uh, favorite uh, John Kramer portrayal mm -hmm. to get uh, for me personally. Yeah. I like that it sets up a formula for future sequels, like um, that they don't all have to follow exactly, but it has this idea of here are the people going through the traps and here's how it connects back to the rest of the story. And then the rest of the sequels do that in some way. <laughs> yeah. I, I like what I like about this is that you get a lot more Tobin Bell in it. Mm -hmm. He's fantastic. You get don't really get a lot of him in the first one. You really only have like the one scene in uh, with Danny Glover. Uh, and even then, like, it's not much of a scene. He's kind of just kind of running away from him or really just kind of shuffling away from him in that scene. Um, so here you get like a lot of. Uh, wordplay with him and a lot of like a, a very smirky performance and i really mm -hmm. like that i'm all for a good smarm uh and like you said he's eating soup he's asking for glasses of water like even when he's surrounded by a swat team he's never not in control of the situation uh and i really like that about this character um i think very early on i think darren lynn bousman in some ways understands like what worked about the first movie in terms of the iconography. Uh, you know, I think in order to establish a franchise like Halloween works because of Michael Myers mask and aesthetic, like it's the white mask on like the black outfit. Uh, Jason works because of the hockey mask. It's like the fedora, the gloves, the sweater with Freddie. You know, I think with saw you have like, Billy on the bicycle, you have like the mm -hmm. pig mask, all of those things work and you want to see that it's a dirty bathrooms uh, <laughs> in Saw, like that's what works here. So what you get with Saw 2 is a lot of what made Saw 1 work, but um, you get more of it. You get it in a much bigger way. Now, I had this one near the bottom of my list i had this one at number nine and ariel you had it at number eight like we kind of mm -hmm. had it near the bottom i'm probably my number nine is probably a lot lower than your number eight because this is the movie that caused me to tap out on this franchise and why this we waited four years to cover this series because i hated this movie and i still wouldn't say that i like this movie um and there's one reason that i really dislike this movie and uh you know it's it's um donnie Wahlberg. i'm struggling to say his name right now um we're all shocked to hear this <laughs> no i've said it many times like it's <laughs> it's just such a one note performance like he just screams his way through this whole movie and it's mm -hmm. the most cliche cop performance you've ever seen like 
dirty, corrupt, divorced dad, bad father cop. Like Mm -hmm. it's community theater and it's worst. It's really, really bad. But that's Um, why it's like so satisfying, like watching, uh, you know, like him just like get tore, you know, taken down, like not just many pegs, like literally put in the ground uh, in this movie. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mike Mike and Donnie's uh, beef is uh, the beef of 2023. It's just... (laughs) It's just, it's painful to watch. It's it's just, it brings there. Because again, not that like you're getting the best performances all the way, but like Dina Meyer is like doing a pretty good mm-hmm. job in this movie. Tobin yes. Bell is doing a great job. Shawnee Smith is doing a great job. The folks in the house, they're trying. And, you know, they're okay for the most part. But like Donnie Wahlberg is like, he makes, I'm rewatching Arrested Development he makes like David Cross's Tobias Funke look like an Emmy award winning performer in terms of quality of acting. It's so bad. It's just. Well, I think that one thing that I also do like about Saw 2 and something that is, um, I think, part and parcel of the entire franchise, regardless of who is, you know, behind the helm of the traps and the games and in that particular film is this really does set up the idea that these folks are always one step ahead Mm -hmm. of the cops Mm -hmm. and have found ways to really manipulate, um, you know, their, their relationship with the cops uh, to stay ahead and so, you know, the discovery of uh, Eric's son being alive and in the safe and how this was all a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, like, again, I like seeing John at his most petty. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is him being like, I'm fucking with you because, A, I can. Um, so it's, I I like... I like that we we do get, I think, something that we carry with us throughout the rest he's of the, the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so, dropping hints the entire time in his conversation yeah. with Matthews, too. So what's our best trap here? Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the Venus fly trap that like kind of opens the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a little, uh, you know, uh, twist on the on the uh, reverse bear trap. So it's like, you know, it's like kind of, you know, establishing a bit of a motif here. And uh, it uh, looks really good that it has like, you know, that cocaine editing uh, that we uh, all love. (laughs) And uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it's it's just a very uh, visually pleasing trap. I got to go with the needle pit. Yeah, it's what I think of when I think of Saw 2 and Shawnee Smith being secretly pregnant doing that scene. I just got to give it up to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shawnee Smith during this whole series is either like (laughs) violently ill or secretly (laughs) pregnant or wearing a bad wig. Like what won't she do? She lives Saw for Mm -hmm. this movie. Yes. So. Coming in at number five, like another divisive entry amongst the panelists. It was as low as last or next to last place, but as high as second and third place. And it claimed 38 points altogether. And that would be Spiral 
from the book of Saw. So I'll start with this because I really like this movie. I had it near the top of my list. Um, I know that Chris Rock's performance is pretty divisive. And I think like it's going to mostly go in the negative camp for folks that don't like this movie. But like he's giving me more than, say, Donnie Wahlberg is in part two. Like when you look at a bad cop, there's at least a few more layers there uh, in terms of a performance. Like the comedy actually kind of works for me at times. Like I know sometimes he's just riffing on his stand up and it's like women be shopping like that is it. But it's all right. Um, the gore is really impressive. I like that there is a much different aesthetic to this movie that you've moved away from like the blue, gray, green aesthetic of the other Saw movies, but it's still really oppressive. Now it's like all these like red and yellow, and this is taking place during a heat wave and Mm -hmm. everybody is like hot and uncomfortable. And like, as you know, like when you, when there's when it's like think of like do the right thing in spike lee like when does all the violence break out it breaks out like after it's you're so uncomfortably hot that you just want to lash out at somebody so all of this violence is going on because it's like there's so much you you are trapped in this heat at this point and i just love you can feel that coming off of every frame um i love that it borrows a lot of the key elements of saw like the pig mask, like the puppetry, like the voice, but they're not using John's, that they've been adapted. This is someone who was studied from John Kramer, but they're not taking from him directly and that you're not attacking individuals, you're attacking systems. I really like that. Um, so this one really worked for me. This is one of my favorites in the series. What do you all think? Is there anything that stands out or works in this one? I have more negatives to say, so I'll let the ladies go first if uh, we want to talk about the good stuff before I uh, take well, my... Ari has it at the bottom, so she might not have a lot of... Oh, thank goodness. Uh, somebody with some sense of, after Mike, <laughs> that season of the witch shenanigans comment, uh, uh, this was... A, a... This is going to be, I'm telling you, like, because this is the lowest at the box office. This is like 40 million worldwide. 10 years from now, I'm telling you, Fangoria, Dread Central, Bloody Disgusting, all of their writers are going to like commission these pieces like Spiral is the Saw movie that is much better than you think and is actually one of the best in the series. Like it's going to get a reappraisal. It's absolutely going to get that reappraisal. Well, I am saying it now. I don't think that you can necessarily go off the box office because this this opened just as you know things were opening back up after the covid vaccines um so i i i i really like spiral because i think we get to play a little bit more with a different kind of psychology of what a follower of john creamer's philosophy would do not necessarily tied to his style of execution unintended but more about like what is the message um what what is a takeaway 
for me. And so I do, yeah, to what you were saying, like, I like that we focus in on institution. Um, and it makes the fact that we don't necessarily get to know some of these non-main characters as much before they get offed, um, I think much easier to swallow because they're just part of their cogs in the machine. They're repres they're just representing something that is awful within kind of the structure. So I I like it. The only I feel like some of uh Rock's performance doesn't hit with me, but overall I think it's fine. Um and I do like that we don't have just completely uh, incapable cops. Um, you know, there are people that actually seem able to do their job mm -hmm. and equipped. Um, and yeah, I I like a little, I, I like some of the traps. I think that they're shockingly, I think, visceral. Yeah. I think it's a good return to practical effects after two movies that you know weren't like completely reliant on cgi but maybe use a bit more than we were used to in the saw franchise um, but yeah. ari and devon why don't you bring us the counter argument as to why spiral does not deserve any praise or love why i mean spiral I'll, is the worst i'll give it some credit i did say it, i did say it looks really good it is a great looking film I, I love hot sauce city as well um everyone's just sweating through their shirts i love that um and um and i mean but it being here at number five has got to be the biggest twist of this list um <laughs> you know uh because i mean the i think the voice is whack I think uh, the the whole kind of, you know, like Jigsaw didn't perform and they go, oh, I know what they missed. They missed the cop stuff. So let's do all the cop stuff. And it, like, I don't know. I call I call this one saw and order. Um, it's just uh, it's kind of <laughs> it's kinda boring. It's very good. Like it, it's kind of wow, boring. Boring. Like uh, like I don't know. Like I uh, I was I felt myself just like whenever I was watching this one, I was just like I was on my phone a bunch. I think I was like playing Madden on the side because I was just like I'm not like interested in this one, uh, really, except for Shank. Um, I, I think Shank is a very compelling jigsaw disciple. And uh, and he, he kind of eats in the third act, like once he's revealed and he gets to uh, uh, be, you know, all like, you know, like mustache twirly, mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, if you know this actor, you know, he's the fucking bad guy. Yeah, so it's going to be him. Uh, but like once he gets to reveal himself and and he just like says it plainly, like he's not like trying to test people's will and stuff. He's killing bad cops like he literally yeah. says that, <laughs> um, you know, so it's like I like how he's not under the guise of being like, oh, I'm not a murderer. He's like, no, yeah, I am going to kill cops because some of them deserve it. And uh, it's a it's an interesting take. But uh, for I, me, it's just uh, it, this one, again, is one that aside from the visual aesthetics doesn't quite have the, the sauce. I don't know. I think after like eight movies like with the, especially like jigsaw like jigsaw had a lot of like basic cable television actors like in it like that's the quality of actor that you were getting you're getting like samuel l jackson you're getting chris rock like you're getting a little bit better level a performer as well like this is the like 
Jigsaw didn't feel like a real movie. Like Jigsaw felt like a sci-fi movie where this one actually feels like a real movie that they put together. But that, that doesn't work for me though, because like, I, I, I like, cause I want to watch this and it being like, Oh, like these are like, I'm watching people on the streets, like go through saw traps. It's like, I'm watching this one. I'm like, no, like you said, I'm watching Chris rocks do stand up mm-hmm. and I'm watching Samuel L. Jackson be Samuel L. Jackson, you know? And it like, it's kind of distracting in a way. So okay. like, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. I want to co-sign everything Devon said, cause it's basically exactly my feelings. And I would also like to say, Devon, you said Shank eats in the third act and he literally does because during his big reveal, he's got like KFC or something on the table behind him. (laughs) And I'm like, did the production assistant just like forget to clear away lunch that day? Or like, what is what is with this KFC product placement? So, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, co-sign everything Devon said. I mean, like that trap took a lot of time to rig together. He needs his he, He's a little guy. He is a little guy. He, he <laughs> his blood the, sugar was low. He needed Ari, a Ari, what else did you not? Because you did not like Chris Rock's performance at all. No, it. I just didn't believe it. Like, he was either being, like, effectively comedic or ineffectively in a Saw movie. Like, mm-hmm. when he was trying to be serious, when he was trying to be angry, and when he was trying to be distraught, like, I just never believed his performance at all. Um, and I know some people don't care about this as much as I do, and that is okay. But, like, to me, a Saw movie has got to have a twist, whether or not you believe it or you like it. And I just don't, like, I can barely even call it a twist in this movie because okay. it was so easy to see coming. And I'm saying that. I was so. going to say, like, <laughs> they literally introduced Dr. Gordon at the part of first part of part seven. Like, he's a yeah, man. Guy. And I didn't and guess forgot. that he was going to have okay. been a disciple all along. But this but one I you guess guessed. the twist in Spiral. And okay. so, like, that's the level of. We don't yeah. do off-screen deaths in Saw movies. That is exactly That's what a, it sure. is. Sin, like we, yeah, we don't yeah, that here, especially of skin peeling. Let me see that. <laughs> I wow. thought it was a pretty, again, like to end. And I know, like a, a number of Saw movies do make at least cursory attempts at some sort of larger, broader social commentary. To mm-hmm. have this movie end with like an African American like raising his gun and having like this a SWAT team like gun him down without asking a single question just like opening fire like especially with the conversation that was going on at that time Mm -hmm. is you know like a pretty ballsy way to end a movie as well so I don't know like it mostly worked for me I can see why Chris Rock's performance is grading I think we said in the episode like he's someone that wants to be Eddie Murphy He's a much better stand-up than Eddie Murphy, but he's not nearly as charismatic an actor as Eddie Murphy is. Um, and I can see why his performance would great, but like comparing it to what Donnie Wahlberg gave, I found it much more refreshing. I would love a spiral too, but I wouldn't necessarily want to see this story continue. I would kind of want to see more of an anthology where it's like telling different stories from different books of Saw. Yeah, I think that would be really the only logical way to continue on that thread. But yeah, I mean, outside of the issues with Rock's performance, I do 
I do think that there is a realism to it. Like it, there is a natural kind of, uh, I, I think, beat that, you know, going back to Donnie, it just feels so cliche and affected to where this seems a lot less mm-hmm. to me. And I do honestly, uh, something that I I think I had only watched, I saw it in the theater and then I think I had only seen this maybe once or twice following before rewatching it mm-hmm. for the for the episode but i honestly really do buy a dynamic between samuel l jackson and chris rock too yeah um i think that their scenes together have have some some good bits yeah in Ariel, if I remember, like the aesthetic doesn't work for you. The change in the voice, the change in the puppet, the change in the pig mask. Like you had spoken, how that just doesn't work for you either. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think any of that was scary. It's okay to change those things, especially as far removed as we are from the original. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I agree. The AI voice sounded like they let me do it, and the pig was cute and cuddly. So. Yeah, just not for me. Not for me. Fair enough. Well, any trap stand out? Anyone have a favorite trap in this one? I really like the tongue trap to open up. Me Uh, too. I I love the whole tracking through the through the carnival is fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole setup of it. Why is there a TV in the subway? Uh, It's (laughs) absolutely hilarious. Um, and like it's it it looks cool. Like you know, Mm -hmm. like um. And just uh, the, the way yeah. it looks with the train coming, uh, it, you know, it's like kind of like the, the combination of CGI and practical. So like kind of showing like kind of uh, kind of where we're at as far as filmmaking wise as well. So uh, I, I like the tongue trap. Fair enough. All right. And it is the one where we learned that Pilates is not real. So let's move on to number four. And Devon, why don't you tell our listeners what came in at number four? Yeah, so the, the the movie that came in at number four here came in at number one on uh, on the Spectre Cinema Club list. We had three people that had it at number one. Um, and so uh, it kind of shocked my heart here seeing it uh, here at four, which is still a good placement for Saw number three, um, it, which is my favorite Saw film yeah. of the franchise. This one, you gave it the lone first place vote here. And I got to say, like, your list is pure chaos, and I love it. Love that your list is pure chaos. I mean, it, it was not lower than six on anyone's list. Like this is a very popular entry. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, for I mean, yeah, for me, uh, this is just like kind of has everything I want out of a Saw movie. It, it has a great visual aesthetic to it. Um, this is where we're kind of embracing the soap opera elements of the franchise more. Uh, this is the medical drama episode and uh, and it really works as far as uh, kind of the balance of gore that we're getting uh, with John and uh, Dr. Denlin who is uh, one of my uh, favorite characters of the franchise as well uh, uh, she can get at me as well um, but it's, uh, it's it has a lot of my favorite traps as well like there's just a and a great performance by Amanda. Um, you know, uh, Amanda may not be my favorite apprentice, but I will say she is one of my favorite, just like characters uh, uh, of the franchise. I think this is uh, my favorite Amanda performance as well. Uh, it, you know, the dynamic between her, Lynn, and John is uh, super fun for me. 
And, uh, and I think uh, a lot of the traps are just uh, absolute showstoppers, some of my favorites in the series. So, uh, yeah, this is easily uh, far and away my favorite Saw film. Yeah. I really like this. Again, I, I just always thread one, two, and three together. I really like them as kind of a, a full meal. Um, I love that we get a lot of Amanda and John and relationship um, kind of building between them, not just in terms of like the logistics of how they have this partnership with her being an accomplice, but really the relationship that they have, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, the only thing I do not like about this film, one of the worst characters of all time, poor, poor, slow ass motherfucking Jeff, poor, chunky <laughs> Jeff. In his boxing robe. And he's hung over. Like poor yeah. Jeff has to do this game hung over. Like oh. poor man. Poor schlubby chonky dead son Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I mean what what can I add? And yet this you defend with- Franklin from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. With of Yes, absolutely, because they are very different. Jeff is terrible. Jeff <laughs> deserves to die. He should not have made it through step one. I don't understand it, but uh, getting to see him die is so nice, though. I mean, at least we get that. But I mean, Franklin picks up a hitchhiker covered in blood. He's like, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Uh. He had no control over the logistics. So someone co-signed and made like that. Why, why is Franklin catching strays in this song? Yeah, what, why are we Franklin. suddenly what? in Franklin Sorry. corner? <laughs> I, I'm doing a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre watching for a project. Sorry. Keep, uh, thank you for pulling me back. Sorry, sorry. I. Why no. does Jeff suck so bad? What's wrong with Jeff? I just, he is nothing. Like there, he is so uninteresting and so like just a charisma void (laughs) in all senses. And so I just am like falling asleep watching him. But, um, you know, that it's such a hard one because I really do love the medical piece seeing kind of that surgery that's really gnarly and great i i love some of the other characters but jeff is he just makes this so is the twist here that like he landed someone is like smart and beautiful and empathetic as dr lynn is that the real twist of saw three that yes. like you find out they were married and that's when hello zep should kick in <laughs> like when you find out they were married like that's when the the theme 
should kick in, you're like, no, like, why is your taste in men so terrible? I want to defend my big boys here for a second, because I feel like if you gave Jeff a shower and some fresh clothes, he he could come and get it. I agree. I I agree. And and, and I I like a big boy. Uh, I mean, I feel, and again, it's, he's hung over. It's like 6 a.m. Yeah, it's not fair. Like, I mean, he is. Give him a break. But, uh, you know, the, I'd say um, uh, I, I find him, I find like his story like compelling, like in conjunction to, um, you know, what has happened with John. Because like John is telling him he needs to let go. Yet John's on his deathbed, not letting go. And he's like, no, I still must play another game. Uh, you know, <laughs> so it's like, OK, so like, you know, we get good old hypocrite John, you know, uh, as well in conjunction. So like and and I think uh, uh, the performance given by the actor, honestly, is uh, pretty good, like uh, especially like during the pig bat scene. Uh, during the rap, like I, I think he gives like a very you know compelling performance of like you know like oh my gosh like yeah I I want to see you you know put through this pain even though but like at the same time you don't deserve it uh, and him uh, you know kind of learning uh, as he goes but then he really doesn't learn because pretty much everyone he tries to he only saves one guy you know the entire movie so, and then he's the one that gets to take John out too uh, is kind of crazy um but um but yeah so uh, uh, uh but i think his performance is really compelling so i just put a picture of cleaned up jeff in the chat i'm not seeing it that that it's not fair he's making a weird face i am sure <laughs> that's his face no that's just his face I, <laughs> listen i don't need to defend myself here about who i say is or isn't attractive <clears throat> I feel like that's his face in a lot of pictures. Let me see if I can find some others. And I know this is fascinating for, for listeners. This is listeners. <laughs> loving this. Here we go. Click oh, this man. link right here. I just got jump scared with that face, but that wasn't that wasn't fair at all. I, see, I got no problem with this one. <laughs> I got no problem. Yeah. I think maybe like it's missing a letter because i feel like this is the kind of picture that it wouldn't say art on his chest but fart across his chest but anyway uh what else is there like about saw three because i think this is a very popular one i mean it has my favorite as my favorite trap which is also john's favorite trap uh he has gone on the record that the rack is his mm-hmm. favorite uh love that we yeah. get to the shout out to it in uh saw 10 even uh, it, mm-hmm. and so this movie has john's favorite trap in it uh, so that you know, I think that uh, should give it bonus points. Yeah. Well, I feel like the Saw movies share a lot of like the attitude and aesthetic with like the Attitude Era of the WWE, mm-hmm. and like Stone Cold Steve Austin and DTA don't trust anyone because what you have here is like John Kramer, who ostensibly has been like grooming Amanda to take over his legacy and carry on for him once he's dead, which he knows is going to happen sooner than later, but he's still testing her. He still doesn't fully trust her. Like you come to find out this game is her game. And I think that's part of why, like we'll talk about a later entry. What dings one of the later entries a little bit is uh, it takes some of the agency away from Amanda. Like one of the decisions that is made um excuse me but 
he's still testing her because he doesn't fully think that she is committed to like his worldview of things. So he's set all of this up to see if he's able to listen to him. And I think that's a fascinating dynamic, this kind of like student teacher dynamic or even like father child dynamic where he's always the disappoint slightly disappointed parent and that she can never fully please him no matter what and now you add dr lynn to this equation and dr lynn has taken on this seemingly like favored child status and you see amanda get very jealous very quickly and start to lash out. And I think that dynamic between the three of them is really, really fascinating here. And I think it makes for like a, a really fun watch on top of that. Like uh, I know like there's a scene in here that you find really hard to watch Ariel. Mm -hmm. Um, I find the brain surgery, like super, super difficult to watch. Like that's what gets like the bone saw going in and cutting and like the sound of it. Uh, I think like the sound design and sound mix in this movie is brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. God. And that's why like the later entries, when they start to kind of like retcon things and over explain things, that's where, um, that's where they kind of like why they're lower on my list. It's like, no, just let these things be. You don't have to over explain everything. Like these things kind of work on their own. Uh, and the rack is a pretty fantastic trap as well. Like that's a, an all timer. And an all-timer of an ending, like great shock ending as well. Plus, Tobin Bell, another great performance. And all he has to do is lie on a gurney and <laughs> sip apple juice from a box for a movie and get, probably gets paid pretty well for it. That's the dream. Yeah. He gets to lay down in 80% of his performances of this franchise. We love that yeah. for him. Love it for him. Uh, we've mentioned some of the traps, but like, is there a favorite? Is there anything that we really, really love? You mentioned the rack. There's another uh, one. I and, think and the shotgun collar is yeah. uh, is uh, really it's a um, good one. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks good. Like it, it's a cool looking yeah. trap. And uh, I love uh, how proud of uh, how proud Amanda is of it. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, I made this one myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like how excited she is uh, in the sexual tension between her and uh, Lynn in the shotgun collar. You know, they're they're kinky yeah. and they're into it. The aftermath of that one, too, like when you see yeah. it once it's gone off. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You're like, that is just I mean, it would be over quick, at least like the thing about the rack is like how much pain you have to endure before that one and the other thing with the pig slop, like mm -hmm. literally drowning, at least with the shotgun trap, like you don't feel anything, but you also can't do an open casket funeral. No kidding. Unless your family really hates you. I guess they're like. You know, Jeff's family, they're like, eh, it's an improvement. And then they would just. Well, well I think one thing that's interesting with the. Um, with the collar trap is that it's one of the only times that we see. A trap that isn't set up with this very, very limited timer. They have to wear it and be constantly reminded of kind of the impending danger um, that they're under. And I think that that's a nice little 
uh, kind of break um, yeah. as well. It's not just let's watch someone die in three minutes and get like their limbs ripped off. Let's see how they really have to wrestle with this while having to do something pretty intense as well. Interesting, too. There's been like a lot of discussion online this week about endangering children in horror movies. And here you have like a little girl locked in a room. Um, If her parents don't get out, like she's going to die. And the movie ends with like her a locked in a room. Best case scenario, she's dead. Oh, sorry. Worst case scenario, like she dies for lack of air. Best case scenario, like she's an orphan. Well, um, she, I, you know, she she doesn't get saved for two movies. <laughs> like we literally that's true. Like they kind of just forget about her. We, we literally don't see her carried out until five, which yeah. is kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Kind of love that. So um so yeah, that is our number four pick. Let's jump to number three, and I'll do number three here. Number three, we had Saw 6. And this is the one where Hoffman gets a lot of love. So your boy Hoffman does get to eat, Devon. Uh, Comes in with 52 points. It wasn't anyone's top choice, but it was second on two lists and third on another and fourth on three more. Like this was in the top half of pretty much everybody's list uh and let's talk about where this one stands out and devon why don't you start because like i think this is like this is really hoffman's like showcase in some ways Um, and you've been his biggest advocate here so yeah this uh, was my number two um this was the one that um also uh had a pretty um high jump up the list uh on this rewatch as i you know appreciate it again my boy hoffman getting to uh really do his thing in this one um, you know, I love, um, you know, his escape scene is one of the best non-trap scenes in a Saw movie. Um, but uh, this one, I mean, who doesn't love, uh, you know, John going after an insurance sales guy, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, and again, like, kind of, this is the first instance really of like, you know, it not just going after a person, but like kind of going after an idea, an institution in a way, and the way that he integrates um, this, uh, you know, okay, you do insurance by this uh, algorithm. So that's the way your saw traps are going to work, how this game is going to be played out. And uh, it has uh, some of the best traps of the series, uh, some really great performances in this one as well. Uh, And uh, again, like like this, and we we talked about it in the episode, like this could have been the last saw movie and like, you know, it it could almost function uh, pretty well as as a kind of like going out on Mm -hmm. a high note if they really wanted to, but um, you know, we still had more to go, obviously, but yeah, my, my boy gets to uh, do, do, do his thing. He gets a second W in a row uh, <laughs> because, you know, he's, Hey, he's got a great track record and you can't kill the man. Yeah. This, this, this introduces the theory of like, you know, how he just, uh, he can never die either. <laughs> yeah. And Ari, I know you had this really high as mm-hmm. well. What stands out for you here? Yeah, all of the traps are awesome. This movie looks great. The social commentary is nailing it. Like we get some good jigsaw backstory here. We get a lot of good Jill Tuck here. Like this movie just has everything. And um, I really appreciate uh, Kevin G's directing. So yeah, this movie stays high on my list. Yeah, 
I love how the FBI here stands for full-blown idiocy. So I just love how they know that like Hoffman is the guy responsible. Yeah. And rather than arrest him and bring in evidence and like put him in a cage, they're like, hey, what if we just have you meet us somewhere <laughs> and we'll kind of keep half an eye on you and we'll kind of let you know that we know that you know that we know that we're on to you. Uh and see how things play out from there. And then Hoffman like makes mincemeat of them. He, um, he had them questioning the whole time. You're feeling hopeless yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just like the part when she's like, oh, uh, how can we keep looking at your watch? And he's like, oh, uh, I was waiting for someone before, before, but now I'm not like, he's such a bad liar. Like what's great yeah. about Hoffman. He's not, he's just a kind of a big, dumb animal. Like he's just got this weird, almost like Tony type of smarts. Like he's good at surviving, but that's really about it. And I kind of love that about him, but that scene in the, in the hospital, in that, in the hospital that <laughs> but in the fbi room is oh. fucking great like that scene in the fb in the audio transcription room is like great he just makes mincemeat of everybody and it's hard not to root for him because they're just so dumb the, the um later is born and i just absolutely live for the scene where he's uh with um uh simone and dead ass asks her if she learned anything from the trap and she's just yes no it's like hoffman bro like chill <laughs> yeah did you and she's like i got no arm yeah that's pretty kind of want like gene parmesan from arrest development <laughs> to pop up and that's why you don't get put into a john kramer trap um nicole what do you like about this one i i agree with the commentary um that's been called out i think it does work really really well um and again, it's just adding another texture, I think, to Jigsaw's story as well, um, being a cancer patient. And now we get a little bit more meat on the bone of how, um, you know, that journey has been in a more complex way. Um, I also like that the people that are in the traps are not just making decisions about how far will I go to save myself. It's having to make decisions on who deserves to die. Mm -hmm. Who gets to be sacrificed because we all have done shitty things, but who has done the shittiest um, thing. And I think that that adds a little bit more uh, to to the proceedings it's not just someone you know being hooked up to something and having to fight to get themselves loose there really is some ideology at play here which i think ties in nicely with the commentary yeah and of course we get we get jill and anytime there's jill i am a-okay you get I think like the best version of Jill because part seven Jill is very meek. Yes. And this is like Jill that has a bit more agency and manages to get one over and is a real foil for Hoffman. 
versus yeah. the one in part seven that seems like it's almost like a very I don't know if it's like I have one shot to get this guy and then she shot it and then it's like I have nothing else. <laughs> yep. Um but I like the one here. I also like in part Jill six, Tuckett's like, over it in this one. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's exactly. what she is. Yeah. Part six, you get William, who might be like one of the few persons that goes through like a series of trap traps that kind of goes on a journey. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you realize that it's not really about him. So he is feels like the one guy that actually might make like a change for the better once if he were to get out of this. And then because you have like a dopey teenager who's like, fuck you, man, like is just casually tossed aside at the end. And I kind of love the movie for its mean spiritedness in doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I agree. I think this is Jill at her kind of no fucks to give <laughs> moment. Um, so I, yeah, there again, there's not, there's really not a, a horrible entry here, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I think this is an example of where a an entry in the franchise with a little bit more successful in knitting all of these elements together, some social commentary, the traps, mm-hmm. the other kind of outlying proceedings to bring it all home. They it's packaged yeah. much nicer. Ari, what would you like to add? Uh, the hydrofluoric acid rules. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. Um, <laughs> think the one of the best traps is definitely that what best trap overall though it has to be the carousel oh yeah i mean i think it's an absolute showstopper like this Mm -hmm. is it's the biggest it's the loudest it's the longest trap uh it's got a you know bunch of people in it at once um you know like this is like the maximalism of the saw franchise personified uh co-host garrett hates this trap and i'm like what what do you mean i'm about to replace you um (laughs) because like i think it is just so it's so big and fun like i love how william is coming around the corner and he can hear the sounds like from beyond the door and like sounds like a roller coaster and you don't know what is behind it and john with his flashing lights and shit um i i love this trap but it also has great performances like him having to make these decisions the people on the carousel like you know pleading their case with all these side stories in it um this is this scene is everything you look at me when you're killing me and that dude (laughs) knows the assignment knows that like i have one chance at making people remember me and he gives everything everything Rent was due and he cleared for the year. Yeah, <laughs> did it. Uh, the only other thing too is as much as like John Kramer talks about, you can never be personal. Like this is like totally personal. <laughs> this whole is like totally yes. 100%. And Kramer's like, I'm saving this one for after I die. And then you <laughs> go get this fucking bitch for me. Like that is as personal as it gets. And even in this message, he's like, you thought you'd be free for me once I'm dead or you were wrong. Yeah. So kind of love that. All right. We're down to our big two. So Nicole, can you do the honors and unveil number two for me. 
Oop, I think you're muted. Sorry about that. Um, That's all right. So number two is, I, I guess, the freshest of the films that we are talking about. And that is the recently released Saw 10. Yeah. Not a big surprise, right? This one's gotten a lot of love from fans and critics. Mm-hmm. It takes the silver medal with 58 points. It did not get a single first place vote, but it got three second place votes and three third place votes. So I'm wondering like, what about it really stands out? And we just talked about it. So we'll maybe move through this one a little bit quickly because we just did a pretty big episode on it. But what about it stood out? Like, why does this one seem to be catching on with fans so much? We get a lot of John Kramer in this one, more, I think, more than we ever have. Oh, yeah. And so for people who are missing that, we get a lot of that. And we also get more of the relationship between John and Amanda, which was one of the most enjoyable parts of saw three, which is also really high on our list. So mm-hmm. I think um, like the characters and the relationships put this one really high up. You get a lot of John and Amanda mm-hmm. and they feel more equal here. Yeah. They definitely, I think with, there's definitely less of a power imbalance between them. And I think that there's a much, there's a lot more, tenderness in their relationship here which i like and i like you get some of the saw bullshittery like you have a scene and then five minutes later you have a flashback to the scene that just (laughs) happened with really not not even a different perspective on it it's like the same thing just like a quick reminder in case you missed it (laughs) just in case like you had to uh you're complaining there's not an intermission and had to go on a pee break we'll do the thing what else what else works about saw 10 i mean i i think for this one it's um it's you know giving john a a villain you know to really go toe to toe Mm -hmm. that is you know even more vile than he is um you know uh, you know there's the debate that's been like oh do they make him too sympathetic it's like no you sympathize with him but it's like but we all know this is the 10th saw movie we know john's a serial killer so like no i'm not like saying like oh yeah they're making him a hero or something and they're not he's still murdering people yeah. um, mm-hmm. very vicious ways and but yeah. at the same time at least uh, we have somebody that like you know you are just like truly watching the you know and you're just like ooh I need her to eat it um you know and like I mean she is despicable but I love her um mm-hmm. you know so um I, I think that's probably uh one of the the biggest elements and like you guys both said is uh you know John and Amanda uh, this is um because uh, I know we had mentioned earlier like six kind of um takes some agency away from her with it being Hoffman uh blackmailing her into into shooting Lynn uh which a total dick move by Hoffman of course um Mm -hmm. and I feel like this movie kind of then salvages that in a way um to kind of show you that it's like no John did trust her you know and like he but he wanted to take the time to truly mentor her and like you know show her the ropes but then because of his sickness he didn't have the time you know to Mm -hmm. truly you know, like get to work with her. So then that's why he has to like test her uh, into, you know, being like, hey, do you have the chops to, you know, uh, to do this? So I feel like this movie kind of fixes that a little bit in a a very interesting way. Yeah. I like that we we get a whole different location, but we get 
a similar feel. So this is John Kramer on vacay. Um, uh, I think that the characters, um, again, we we only get to spend a certain amount of time with them um, and get to know a little bit of their stories. I think they are interesting. Um, and I also think that there's a, a a special kind of viciousness to the traps here because this is just pure vengeance mm-hmm. for John. This isn't about I it, I mean it, it you can say it is because he's also um understands that there are others that have been duped as well. Um but this is just pure you fucked me over. It's not about what you did to someone else. I'm not making a statement about it. You fucked me over and now I'm going to watch you die. Well, like Hoffman says in the Marvel credit sequence, uh, <laughs> what is it? Bad, epic bad luck. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> You're right. This is, and it really, it, it puts to ruins, if you had any doubt, John Kramer's like never make it personal and right it's, about, it's like no it's not it's totally personal and it's totally about exacting like your petty revenge on people and I gotta say if somebody to me this movie's about robbing hope like if there was an origin like all the other movies we've watched like all the other like nine saw movies when you watch like well why does John Kramer do this and you watch it you're like okay, there's, there's no justification for doing what you do. If there ever were a justification for something, if there ever were, and I'm not saying there is, but if there ever were like a origin story I could buy, like somebody robbing me of my hope, because that's what happens here. And we talked about that a lot during the mm-hmm. movie. This would be it. Like this would be the one where I could be like, I will give you a little bit of a pass on this one, John. Yeah, that, that's why for me, I think this one also um, uh, kind of puts a, a uh, reinforces uh, something about John's philosophy that like kind of goes a, a little unnoticed is uh, is accountability. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, with kind of the whole debate of like, oh, do these people deserve to be in this? But at the same time, uh, it's like, you know, what, like, yeah, like they're also kind of being exploited. But at the same time, you are st- you still went through with this like at the mm-hmm. end of the day you made the choice yeah. to go through with that con and and ruin this man's life uh yeah. even further you chose to do that and like so this is you know the reason that you're here and them having yep. to face and see uh you know do this face to face with john you know like he is there watching them and yeah. judging them and like reminding them why they're there um which is something we don't get a ton of in the series so i appreciated that as well I think a slightly better movie would have more Dr. Petersons getting their comeuppance and less of the minions getting their comeuppances. And I think that is a critique that, and we had that conversation and I think some others have written very smartly about the economic disparities that exist between John Kramer and Dr. Peterson and the people that are tasked with like the hands-on executing of the plan and they're the ones that suffer and at the end of the movie peterson lives if you have like peterson and it's like the smartest people in the room they're the ones 
that are getting their comeuppance, that might be a bit more satisfying. Um, so I can understand the criticism where it's like, okay, you have a rich white dude who doesn't get his way. So he goes on a killing spree. Yes, that is a reading of it. I don't know. I, I can understand like if I'm dying of some sort of awful cancer and then you rob me of my money, but more importantly, rob me of my hope going after persons for doing that. Um, it's also, it's a really fucking funny movie. This is the a whole, hilarious like, movie. John Kramer's life coach designing <laughs> traps and then like throwing the sketch out. Like this movie made me chuckle. The, like I said, the flashbacks, the flashbacks. He's dating uh, about traps. Like this man yeah. cannot go five minutes without just dreaming of no. traps. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that no. a really great insight into, into his psyche? But yeah, this movie yeah. is like super funny. Like we have a rope. Come on. Come <laughs> on. Yeah. I want to see like John, like say at some point, like I dream of Jeannie. And then you cut to a scene and like Jeannie is a giant trap. All right. Favorite trap in this movie? For me, it is, um, for me, it's uh, the, the, the radiation one. Mm. Um, I think uh, it's because uh, this film is, uh, these are like on the fly traps, you know, like he's not back at Saw HQ. He doesn't have his tools with him. Um, you know, we had to get Billy through customs somehow uh, with him. Uh, like, I, I need a short film of that, of Amanda seeing yes. Billy into Mexico. Like, I need that so bad. Um, and but yeah, but like the, the traps in here are all a little shabby. But like, again, like you see his resourcefulness. He like goes into the place where uh, they did the, the, the con on him. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to use the equip- the same equipment that you guys had that you didn't know how to use, but I know how to use it. So like. Um, <clears throat> I really love uh, just uh, the simple image of somebody being straddled, hanging from chains, uh, and she just has to. It's very simple. She just has to smash her foot in hand. And again, with it, this movie being hilarious, uh, the part where she swings over and then the rate the radiation thing just slides over <laughs> back in front of her, probably got mm-hmm. a laugh out of my theater whenever uh, mm-hmm. I, I saw this film. That made me chuckle. Yeah. I really also like the eyeball vacuum for the simple fact of it was cool to see John's first draft in his brain of how mm-hmm. something would go. I really liked that. Yeah. I I really liked the uh the brain surgery Ooh. trap. Yeah. Um just because it is it's just so hard to sit through. Um and also mm-hmm. it's a nice little I think um call out to three where we had brain surgery as well but um i i think that all the traps here are really effective and and to devon's point i love it just because these are shabby um you know this is really him getting to utilize the the vastness of his engineer abilities by using what he was able to bring together. But I, I do also enjoy that Billy the Puppet still. He also gets to join the party. He He's with the fam. He's with the fam of Amanda and, and Jiggs. Yeah. All right. Ariel, care to take us home? 
I, oh, I don't want to cry on the podcast again, but I just got like a little emotional. Um, so our number one pick, number one in my heart is the original Saw. This ran away with 68 points. It, everybody put it first place except Devon, and we love Devon's chaos list. Um, this movie is so special to me. It means so much to me. I, you all know that by now. What can I possibly say that I haven't said about this movie, you know? And yet I would. I would keep talking about something. it. <laughs> we just can't fill this time with dead air. Just like, <laughs> I mean, right? Like two minutes of music. It set the tone for the rest of the the decade. It set the tone for an entire style of horror. It was two film students with a dream who, you know, hit it big. They had their dreams come true. It, it, and they've gone on to have awesome careers themselves from this and, and they still do horror, which feels really special. Um, I, it it is one of the most important horror movies of all time. I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, it is definitely a movie. It has influenced horror for the past, at least for like ten years. Mm-hmm. It set the tone for the decade that followed. Like you saw a lot of movies copy it, and then when this style of movie stopped kind of being made it influenced in a way that like the pendulum swung in a completely like different mm-hmm. direction and now there's a nostalgia for it yes right i mean saw 10 is very popular i think because people are nostalgic and have the warm and fuzzies for a kinder gentler time <laughs> of the saw movies a grosser grimier time I know. It's weird though. Like, it's like I miss the warm and fuzzy when everything's simpler, like the early aughts. Jesus, who would ever yeah. thought we'd say that? Everything comes back around, you know? Oh my goodness. What is it about this movie that stands out for you, Nicole? I, I mean, exactly to what Ari was talking about. I think there is just a, you know, this film has been incredibly influential and defining in horror. Um, that's why we have talked about it for how many episodes? Um, you know, this franchise that it was built on. And uh, I, I really like that they, they do something that is really smart with this first film that uh, I say it's a smart thing but I think they you have to do it not knowing that you're doing it which is by keeping this film so small and centered on a pretty tight story without a lot of flourishes making it compact it allows you so much room to play throughout the rest of the franchise. It yeah. allows you to move in lots of different directions um, within a timeline. And you you aren't boxing yourself in with a lot of rules. So I I like it. It's it's a pretty 
uh, it's a pretty simple story, but I think that, uh, you know, we've got Adam and Gordon. I love Gordon. I think that he is a really interesting character. I wish that we got more of him post um, his return, but I, I, I really like it. I like the, the, that we don't, I mean, and just the twist. The yeah. Twist at the end, I think is, is so fun. Yeah, this one uh, for me, uh, I definitely do love this film. I respect it. I respect my Saw elders. Uh, but you guys have, you know, you've heard me on the show quite often. I'm not usually an original purist. Um, and, you know, that's the only reason that this doesn't uh, sit higher up on my list is just, you know, uh, this is not exactly Saw as we know it, you know, as we as we would come mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, figure out the the aesthetic, the style and all the the little intricacies, you know, but like, hey, I love me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I can eat peanut butter and jelly every day <laughs> if I wanted to. And that's this uh, film for me, you know? Um, yeah, we do uh, sometimes miss the, uh, you know, sometimes I want to go uh, back into the bathroom and, you know, smoke a blunt on the cold tile floors, you know, just to feel <laughs> something again. Uh, you know, this is, yes. um, and it's a, it's a fun gay romance that's uh, absolutely hilarious. This is another uh, one of the funnier Saw entries for me because Adam and Gordon are just like absolutely hilarious. Like, and uh, the way that Carrie Elways looks like a ghoul by the end of this movie, uh, doing <laughs> yeah. like a ghostly voice that he still has in uh, Saw 7. He has bronchitis for no reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, but yeah, so so I appreciate everything that uh, this film did and, um, you know, uh, kicking off this amazing franchise. So, I mean, of course, I still love it for that. But, you know, just not my favorite Saw movie. That's all. Yeah, it shouldn't work like so much of this movie shouldn't work like it's is structured a lot like seven but you don't get the iconic performances that you know morgan freeman and brad Mm -hmm. pitt give you uh you it's very like almost doesn't have enough material to be an actual (laughs) movie they had to do a lot of work in post Mm -hmm. in order to get it to work uh you have just enough like with the editing you have just enough with the gore just enough with that twist and then charlie clauser's like iconic score at the end and i think that like the kind of like raggediness of it the fact that it's like barely stitched together mm-hmm. there's just enough of it there <laughs> to hold it together and kind of make it endearing um yes that that's why it works that it was made for a million bucks and you know the, the punk in me absolutely loves that i would rather watch something that is barely held it's held together by like duct tape and silly putty over something that's really like slick and glossy um you can kind of smell and feel the bathroom that dirty shit stained bathroom it has one of the best twists at the end of a movie that still kind of holds up to this day it definitely like it or not it definitely influenced a whole subgenre of films and in one that carried over for nearly a decade it's the first time that james wan would kind of steer horror in a certain direction he would go on to do that again later on with insidious and the conjuring and i think we've seen him do that again now with malignant where Mm -hmm. you know now we're seeing horror go back to maybe a little more fun a little bit more chaotic seeing some 
really neat stuff hit theaters now. So you're seeing a guy that like when he decides he wants to put something out, out people take notice and you see a lot of imitators. Um, and that's why, even though this isn't necessarily my favorite franchise, it's one that is like really fun to talk about. So when we talk about this franchise, what, what we talk about are the traps. And although it's a franchise filled with traps, I guess there's really one that really stands out. And I think this one you're pulled, did it not, Devon? Uh, this one, the people's choice. Uh, this was the people's choice. Of the, of the what is the 16? What is the trap? What is the people's choice of traps? I mean, it's it's the reverse bear trap, of course. I mean, everyone, you know it, you see it, uh, and you love it, uh, you know, and the the many iterations that we get throughout the series as well, you know, we get a reverse bear trap 2.0, uh, mm-hmm. kind of the Venus fly trap and like shotgun collar, like almost are like kind of different variations of like trying to have these like iconic looking things. Uh, but, you know, 10 years on uh, re- everyone, uh, even if you haven't seen a Saw movie, like, you know, you know, if you see a reverse bear trap, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Saw. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Any last things to say about Saw before we put this franchise to bed until Saw 11 comes out eventually? <laughs> I, you, I'm never leaving Saw City. Uh, this I'm is, uh, I mean, I've always loved Saw, but I mean, definitely from doing all this coverage is uh, like truly uh, been like, you know, mate, like this is a top three franchise for me. Like I absolutely mm-hmm. adore this franchise uh, it has the it has the best fan base too like uh like every time on twitter like when we've had like a return to a big franchise uh sometimes it can get a little bit you know negative and toxic a little bit like not with the saw movies like literally no one like like everyone just talks about the how much they love this stupid series but uh but like stupid in the best way possible you know like no uh, as me and Ari say, like, this is uh, the Fast and Furious of horror. Uh, <laughs> yes. We love it. Doing these episodes has been absolutely the time of my life. I have had a blast. So just thank you, everybody, for listening to these. Thank you, everybody, for engaging and talking about these. Like, this has been so much fun. Yeah, I think that this is such a... I. It's a great franchise to do just because there is so much variety in the films in terms of messaging, style, all the things that we've uh, discussed. And uh, it's, you know, it's always a a challenge going back and like when whenever um, you guys have done a franchise i always try to follow along and watch the films as you guys go and being able to be on some of these episodes has been great um and following along has really made me i think appreciate some of the films that i didn't necessarily like but you know i'm i'm there in the theaters for saw 11 excited yeah, I'm going to humble brag for one minute. Because um, I was worried about doing this series because I had put off watching a lot of them. And I know from like doing a couple entries here and there, like in the early 
entries of the show. Like I go back and listen to like Rob Zombie's Halloween, for example, like I was really negative on. Um, and to be quite honest, like sometimes it can be fun to record an episode when you're super down and snarky on a movie, but I don't think it's fun to always listen to a movie like that, especially if you're a big fan of a movie and kind of like if you're listening to an episode about say Saw 4, you're probably listening to it because you like the movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's nothing worse because our shows tend to be long um, than like having someone like me for two hours tell you why you're wrong for liking a movie. And that's not to say we're not critical. I think we're fair. And I think we critique films when they deserve to be critiqued. You know, we're not here to like say like everything is great and this is perfect and isn't this wonderful. Like, no, like we try to give real criticism analysis. But I really wanted to push myself in particular to like respect the, my co-hosts who I know love this series. Like it would be an insult to them to be like, you guys are dumb for liking this series. It would be insulting to my guests who are giving me their time. It would be insulting to the listeners. Um, and I've just heard like other shows that do similar things to what we do when they mention the series or cover entries of it, like they're really negative on it and insulting towards it. And I'm like, why? Um, it just like, I just can't imagine like listening to something like that. It almost like insults the listener at that point. And that's not something I would ever want to do as a show. Um, so I'm really proud of the way we covered this series. And that's all. I think we nailed it. And that's always the goal whenever we do these franchises. Like when we're done, I want someone to say like, have I never listened to another episode about this franchise? I feel like I got everything we need out of it. And Saw sits at number one for most listened to episodes. And that happened in less than 50 days, which is crazy to me. Hey, if you if if everyone has learned anything, there's a Saw movie for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so also, I didn't want to insult these movies and have some wackadoo put me in a reverse bear trap. You know, got to watch out for that. Know, they're out there. You got to watch out for that. Yeah. that, so, that epic bad luck. Yes. <laughs> well, and I think to piggyback off of what you're saying, Mike, you and Ari have done an amazing job at spearheading this massive undertaking of going through all of these films and love that you have gotten so many different folks on these episodes with lots of different perspectives, lots of different relationships with the franchise. There have been a couple that I think are like fairly new to it or just you know kind of exploring the films now you have people that from day one have been down to clown in saw city so i i really appreciate that variety and i think that it makes these episodes so so great to listen to well could not have done this series without you and Devon, and especially Ari. Uh, Ari did it was a team effort. 
this team effort, but the three of you did amazing work on this piece in particular. So yay us. So on that note, let's plug ourselves. Let's, let's applaud ourselves and plug ourselves and then get about our day. Devon, what's going on? With the Spectre Cinema Club. All right, as I let me go ahead and unshackle my uh, spine cutting uh, trap off my back, uh, <laughs> you know, just like Art Blank here. Uh, you can uh, find me over on Spectre Cinema Club every Tuesday. We uh, cover a different subgenre every month, and that's where we focus our conversations. Me and Garrett McDowell are currently uh, tackling Hitchcock movies right now. Uh, as uh, we go into uh, possession movies for December. Um, so uh, you guys can uh, find us at Spectre Cinema. And now uh, you can find me on all the social media platforms at underscore Daddy Disco. Excellent. Nicole, what's going on with Bodies of Horror? So Bodies of Horror is trucking right along. Um, new episodes over on the Anatomy of a Scream feed every other Tuesday. And has some really great episodes coming up, um, going into a little bit of new French extremity with uh, Jen Adams talking about inside. Ooh. And yeah, and then talking a little bit uh, of religious uh, trauma and caregiving uh, with Excellent. St. Maud with Joe Lipset. So excellent. Yes. I've said this before. Last shot of St. Maud. Hilarious. Absolutely. One of the most hilarious endings in a movie ever. It's something. It's something. Ari, how about yourself? Yeah. At Ghouls Mag, we're going to be wrapping up the end of the year with some holiday horror and some 2023 countdowns that always sneaks up on me. And if I ever get out of this nasty bathroom, if I make it out alive, you can follow me on all the socials at Ari underscore Hellraiser. Excellent. You can find us, me at Mike underscore Snoonian on Twitter, Bluesky at Mike Snoonian, Letterbox at Mike Chump Change. Follow me at Letterbox. That's really the only social I care about at this point. Uh, just talk movies with me. That's all. I want to know what movies you're watching, and I want you to follow me there. Um, here is what's going on with the show. The end of the year is always a bit funky. So next week we have uh, we're going to be doing Hell House Four, Hell House Origins, Carmichael Manor, because that is like the latest that'll give us like put us up to speed. With that franchise, it's also like really fucking good. I have no idea who is on that episode because I've been like, hey, guys, we're doing this one next. And I think everyone's been no one's really I don't know if it was available at this point. So uh, it just might be me on that episode. <laughs> who knows? Um, so hopefully that will be next. Then Thanksgiving Day, we might drop a little something, something. After that, we have the Karloff Frankenstein movies, the three universal picture movies uh, starring Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's monster. I feel if I don't say he plays the monster, some one of our listeners will say, actually, he doesn't play Frankenstein. He plays the monster and we'll get in a fight. Uh, after that, we will have our year end in horror. We'll give our top 10 
that was a really fun one to do last year. So I'm hoping to recruit some of the co-hosts for that. And then Christmas Day will be the last episode of the year. Steven and I are going to be dropping a very special episode where we do a Muppet Christmas Carol. So last year we did It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Brian and I this year will be doing Jim Henson's A Muppet Christmas Carol. So not a horror movie, but it does feature uh, Michael Caine whacked out on peyote interacting with the Muppets for two hours. So what is there not to love? Um, Speaking of things to love, if you love our show, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum. Once we hit 50 patrons, we will add Hellraiser to the list of franchises that we cover. We have a long way to go, but I'd love to get there in 2024. This month, I believe we chose Thanksgiving. Ari, is that what we're going to cover? Yeah, I hope so. So so we'll be doing Eli Roth's Thanksgiving as our Patreon choice. Uh, You have your tickets for that already, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got my new Alamo draft house opening up in Boston. Wife and I have our Ooh, tickets nice. for it. So can't wait. That'll be the patron choice this month. Maybe we'll try to get that up Thanksgiving day. So yeah, patreon.com, pot on the pendulum. Go there for about 50-ish hours of bonus content already. And that is it. We're putting Saw behind us. We're moving forward. We're moving onward and upward. We're going to be planning 2024 in the coming weeks. I can drop two franchises we're doing next year for sure. We're going to be doing Ghostbusters and we're going to be doing the Terrifier franchise. After that, we're going to be kind of planning and we'll have more stuff to announce soon. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Game over. Game officially over. We did it, guys. We did it.